Today's podcast is brought to you by McAllister's Deli in Carbondale, featuring some of the best sweet tea in the Midwest, soups, salads, spuds, and much more. That's McAllister's Deli in Carbondale. Hey everybody, Connor Onion here. Saluki Standards, episode number 13. Today, talking with a Saluki basketball legend. He wore number one from 2000 to 2005, won four conference championships, and went to four NCAA tournaments, including the 2002 Sweet 16. It's Darren Brooks, and our conversation begins with the last dance about Michael Jordan's Chicago Bulls. Yeah, I've been watching. I've been checking it out. I missed uh, this past Sunday. I recorded, so I'll probably try and check it out uh, sometime this week. Uh, but it's been good. Uh, Jordan, one of everybody, I think a lot of people's favorite players. So just kind of get inside, look, uh, how he did things, operated. Uh, it's been really good. You were, what, probably in middle school and high school when, when Michael Jordan would have been in his prime. Uh, what did, what did a, a young DB think of Michael Jordan when you would watch him when he was playing? <laughs> Oh man, I just thought he was incredible, man. Uh, just, just especially like in the fourth quarter. I mean, you always you knew George gonna get the ball, and he always made a play, man. So I, when I was a kid, I'd be in the backyard or playing. I count down, you know, the second like Jordan and try and take that shot, man. So uh, he, he just was an inspiration, I think, for a lot of basketball players. I mean, he, he was the standard. You know, there there can be. You grew up in St. Louis. There can be a a little bit of a, a sports rivalry with some of the other sports. St. Louis to Chicago, but uh, I mean, was was that the guy you looked up to? Was uh, were the Chicago Bulls your team growing up in St. Louis? Uh, yeah, they were, uh, especially Jordan. I really like players. Uh, Jordan, uh, he was my guy. Like I say, he just he came through in the clutch, man. He whatever they needed, I feel like he always provided. Uh, you know, he was just an amazing player. Um, his work ethic. I mean, I just studied him, and he was he was phenomenal. He was phenomenal. So uh, he, like I say. He, you could be anything close to Jordan. Like you could just have a just a little piece of Jordan. Uh, I think you, you can be a great player. And Penny Hardaway is also my other favorite player. So those two were my two uh, basketball uh, idols as a kid growing up. Do you think you had a little bit of Jordan in your game? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm not going to say that. Uh, but I, I wanted to take a little piece of it. If I could just be anything close to Jordan, close to Penny Hardaway, I said, man, I did I think I'd be a decent player if I could just get anything from those two. So Penny was the reason I was number one. And like I say, Jordan's competitiveness, um, I think that's what really fueled his fire. He just is relentless. He's so relentless and just so determined to win. And I, I try to take that from him, if anything. You know, the, the the interesting part about reading about your your high school background is that you played some center when you were at Jennings High School. Uh, being a <laughs> be, being a six foot three guy, Playing center, how did how did that usually work out for you? I'm sure guarding bigger people. Uh, it was it was it was it was it was tough, um, but I had a good a good good guy on the team, good teammates that would help me out. Uh, that would help me out when I get in trouble down low. But uh, mainly, I was probably one of the taller guys on the team. I really was just a big guard out there. So, um, but it helped my toughness, helped me you know defend and, and like I say, compete and against anybody, big or little. You know, the ultimate goal was try to win, so it just helped, you know, instill in me just to, you know, have that drive and have that fight to help your team, whatever that looks like. Uh, you mentioned MJ and, and Penny. Those were your two guys growing up. Were there post players that, that you looked at and tried to steal some things from? Uh, no, not any post players. Uh, I really I really didn't 
I really was going heaven, like I say, Penny and Jordan. I mean, those were my guys. I, I, I studied the Magic and the Bulls, and that's all I really watched. So those two guys were uh, special. I saw Penny in, in person, too, against the Pacers. He was amazing. You know, he was you know, a big guard, 6'7", six, 6'8", six, and I mean, he was doing things that small guards do. So those two guys kind of stole the soul for me. So, you, I mean, you get to Carbondale, and, and you're more of a, a true guard by the time you get there. What was the adjustment going from being one of the bigger players on the floor to, you know, being more of a, a natural guard once you got to college? It was just the intensity. Uh, Division one was, was it was really how hard the guys played on a consistent basis. Uh, that's what really would kind of shock me. So I had to get used to that speed, uh, the strength. Two guys were a lot stronger than I were. Um, so that was, those were the two main things, the speed of the game and how hard guys played and the strength. And kind of once I kind of got adjusted and kind of got in the weight room and got stronger and started to learn the game, the college game more, it really helped me. And like I said, I had good, good teammates, uh, Jermaine, Kent, uh, Roland, all those guys, Salai, Marcus Belcher, all those guys helped me a lot. And we had great coaches that taught me as well. So all those things combined have really uh, helped, helped me improve as a player. It wasn't always a, a guarantee, right, that, that you would be a college basketball player. It was probably a guarantee you'd play something in college, being a three-sport uh, three star coming up. Uh, but how much legitimate consideration did you give to to maybe playing baseball or football? I mean, baseball was really – honestly, I was supposed to play baseball. They called me, to be honest. Uh, I met Coach Callahan, rest in peace to him, when I came on visit for basketball. And we had a conversation, went out to dinner. And he told me the shortstop was going to be going to the major leagues and I could step in and play and everything. So that was the plan originally for me to play baseball. Uh, I love baseball. I had some minor league teams interested in me, uh, talking about drafting me in the later round. But I felt like you know, going to college and playing basketball, possibly baseball would uh, be a better decision. But when I got the call, it just didn't work out for whatever reason. Um, Coach Weber, they, they had other plans. And I, I'm fine with that. I love basketball more anyway, but uh, baseball definitely was uh, was an option for me. I, I enjoyed baseball too, but basketball uh, eventually just kind of took the lead. Was there an obvious primary sport for you? Was there? I mean, was basketball it, or were you better at one of the other two? Um, I mean, it's, that's a that's a good question. Different people have different answers to that. I know my passion was basketball. Uh, that was my love. I like football. I like baseball. I had opportunities in both. Um, but my heart was really in basketball, and that was my true passion. But, yeah, I definitely had some opportunities uh, in other sports. The the Braves and the, the Diamondbacks were coming at you pretty hard, it sounded like. What were what were the conversations like with the, the major league teams that were trying to lure you? Uh, basically, you know, you go to college and, and, and play. You know, I, I get drafted. I had a couple other teams to the mix. Um so yeah, I just really was just just thinking about the process to get there, though. just the minor leagues and uh, the long bus rides, and so it was going to be a long, long road ahead too. So I had to really think about what what, what was important to me. And, um, I felt like basketball really truly made me happy. I like baseball, but basketball truly made me happy, and uh, just being closer to home, and, and so it just made more sense going to college and get my degree, so uh, I think that outweighed uh, baseball. But, I mean, I liked it, and I, I thought about it, and the teams were interested in it. But I'd say basketball had my heart.
not quite as much glamour in those uh, single-A bus rides, are there? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, not from what I was reading. And I, I don't think I want to go that route. <laughs> uh, you're, you're a quarterback too in football. Uh, some some uh, Big Ten schools recording you to, to maybe walk on and play quarterback. Uh, how seriously did you consider those? I mean, I thought about it. Um, for football, I had I had good size. I had a you know pretty strong arm. I was a pretty big quarterback. Um, so I, I had options. Uh, I thought about it, but again, I had a pretty good senior season in basketball and. I had some opportunities to go to school for free. That was the thing, just to go to get a scholarship for free. And um, that's how you, you know, they came to the table. Coach Matt Painter recruited me pretty hard and sold me on, on what the future could be. And uh, But, yeah, I thought about football. I like football a lot. Uh, I thought about it. But, uh, again, like I said, basketball, just just being close to home on the full ride. And I saw the guys that were going to Carbondale, uh, like Stetson Harris and Josh Warren. And I saw Brad Corn was there, Sylvester Willis. Jermaine Derriman King. I feel like we, we can have a, a, a good team. And, uh, so I'm glad I ended up going. It must have been really hard to crack that lineup. You mentioned a bunch of those names that are now kind of known as, you know, celebrities, Saluki legends, including yourself. But uh, how difficult was it for you to, to have to redshirt that first year and then be a bench player the second year as a redshirt freshman? Oh, it was really it was really tough. It really was hard for me, uh, coming from uh like I said I had a by the grace of God I had a, a good senior year. I made first team everything, all state, all metro and played a year in my conference, uh, so I was expecting to come in and, and contribute and, and you know, do some things. So when they told me they wanted me to rest or it was kinda of like a like a, a shot to the gut, you know, kinda of surprised me and like wow. Uh so it was tough, but those guys, they, they were pretty good. I mean, like I said, the work ethic and the strength and the speed of the game, they understood concepts of, the, of Division One that I, I didn't learn in high school. So I understood it, but I still was disappointed. But um, it, it really motivated me, you know, to prove to prove them wrong because I, I, I felt like they kind of – I felt like they kind of doubted me in, in a sense, you know. But at the end of the day, I, I, I don't think I was ready to contribute in the way that they needed me to. So it made sense, and uh, like I said, motivate me to get better and work harder, and uh, come back there next year and just try to have a more have a better, bigger impact. Uh, like you said, I'm sure disappointing. Um, I'm sure it helped you a lot. But um, how was that news initially delivered to you that they wanted you to to redshirt and sit out that year? It, it was frustrating. It was really frustrating. Uh, I'm just being honest. I was, I was really upset. Uh, then coupled with, with baseball too, uh, I'm supposed to play baseball, so that was kind of like it's like a left hook and a right hook, you know. So I, I was and I was young too. I think I was 17 the first few weeks of, of of college, so I was 18 years old, uh, just trying to you know navigate through college, being away from home, and you know get dealt that, that information. But uh, again, it just motivated me. It just said, well, it's just another another um, more fuel to the fire, you know, to prove people wrong, prove that you do belong here, and you gonna you gonna create you gonna do, do you got you got a chance to, to do something. So what are you gonna do? You gonna you gonna cry about it? You gonna you know you know work harder? So I just decided to work harder and just in the weight room. I just wanted went even harder. Everything in the weight room on the court. Everything. I just wanted to try to take it up another level. Did you think what you did that first year as a redshirt would have been enough to get you into that starting lineup as a redshirt freshman? Uh. I don't know about the starting lineup, but I, I feel I could have helped, especially even 
the first year, I think we went 16 and 14. Uh, I started like around mid, mid, mid season, December, January, I started to do better in practice. I even felt then I could have helped a little bit, but, um, I think it was a smart decision because I had a whole year to come back and, and help on it. Then we went to the Sweet 16. So I, I saved a year and we went to the Sweet 16. So I feel like it worked out better than me, you know, playing eight or nine minutes as a freshman. And, you know, we struggled 16 and 14. So, but I think, um, I think I think it worked out. It worked out for the best. Yeah. Early on, I'm sure you, you had a chance to grow your relationship pretty quickly with with Stetson, Stetson Harrison uh, being your your roommate. What's uh What's your best story with with Stetson in those early years? Oh man, uh, best stories. Well, I just remember him coming in and just working hard, man. He, I mean, honestly, he's surprised. He worked. I worked everybody. I mean, I was surprised uh, just how hard he worked, like in the conditioning. He was, I mean, he was winning all the sprints, the long distance running. I mean, he just worked and worked. He was a workhorse, man. And I asked him, man, how did you come in? How did you adjust this quickly? And he told me, like, prep school, really preparing for this. How they were, I think it was in Maine or Massachusetts or something like that, but they were, like, in the mountains and climbing hills and all kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, his work ethic was uh was at the top and so he really stood out and he started as a as a freshman and he surprised everybody i mean tyrese Boyer was kind of penciled in as their starter and he kind of came in and took that spot so that was the main thing he's worked at what kind of roommate was he <laughs> i mean we ran it out to be honest man he, he i mean we, we both had class practice i mean socialized so we kind of he kind of was in and out but he, he was cool he, i mean he kept the home clean we you know, we got along great. Um, but again, like we were young, we were, you know, ripping and running around campus. But uh, it, it was a good time. We worked, pushed each other at the games, you know, talk about, you know, what we can do to help the team. We kind of had to talk about our vision. The vision we thought in our little minds, like, well, we keep doing this and we keep doing that. So we had conversations like that. But uh, we just, we just some kids, man, just trying to, uh, you know, trying to prepare for our future and what we can do to improve the team and improve ourselves uh, on the court and off the court. Was you guys room together on the road too, or did you finally get a break from living with each other when you guys were going road trips? Well, on the road, they uh, they would always put you with a different room, different uh, teammate. I think they wanted like build a team chemistry, the bond and stuff. So uh, we always had different roommates on the road. The identity of Floorburn U became a thing when you were around. When do you remember that first being coined as a phrase and getting thrown out there? Within the program and around the program, uh, I didn't. Hear, honestly, I didn't hear it when, when we were there. When I when uh, after I left, I started to hear that that phrase. Uh, but I mean, just built on that backbone of just hard work. You know, we're gonna we're gonna outwork people. We're gonna be tough. We're gonna defend. We're gonna rebound. We're gonna do all the things, the little things that uh, that don't show up on the box score, but that's gonna help you help you in the long run. So I mean, that was like our, our identity. Uh, so. I'm not surprised that they, they that that name was you know used for SIU because uh, that that was that's, that was that was us the hard hat uh, boost and we gonna come in and we ready to work. Did you expect that to be the identity when you came to Carbondale, or did you expect there to be a, a little bit more scoring going on when uh, when you signed on? Yeah, I, I didn't really know what to expect to be honest. Um, like I said, I saw the team. I came when I was on my visit. Uh, I came and watched the game, and I saw the, the potential. I said, man, they, they got a chance to do something special because, uh, you know, what I saw on the court and everything. But I didn't know. I, I think after that year we went 16 and 14, I think uh, the coaching staff, uh, they, 
they really uh, want to do something different, do something unique to, to try to get us over that hump. And after this season, we probably had two, three weeks off, and we started right back working out at 6 in the morning, and, and, and everything kind of changed, took it up another level. And I, I saw then, like, they trying to really incorporate, uh, you know, just hard work and toughness and defense and, you know, all those little things. So that's kind of when it started. And then the next year, Sweet 16, and then Mary, we will do just kind of continue snowball after that. Did you know that Southern Illinois University awards students $10 million annually in scholarships, has test-optional admission, and in-state tuition for all U.S. residents? SIU offers hands-on, career-focused learning in every major, which are supported by internships and community service and the potential for study abroad and more. Southern Illinois has faculty who bring real-world experience to the classroom and the classroom into the real world. See what SIU can do for you at the next open house. Registration and info at siu.edu slash open house. Exploring options. That's a Saluki. What was the hardest Bruce Weber defensive drill? Oh, defensive drill. Uh, shoot, we had to do this drill. Um, you had to play defense like on all the guards. Uh, so you guard every guard, full court. Uh, so you really don't get any rest. You just defense, defense. I'm guarding you know, Stetson full court. And then the next turnaround, going Jamal Tatum full court. And then next I'm going Tony Young. I'm going Marcus Belcher. I'm going Mike Dale. So you're going, you know, six, seven guards in a row. They're all quick and, you know, changing directions and everything. So you would do that a few times. So, But every day was hard, I mean, to be honest, every every day. So I tell kids, you know, you got to be prepared to, to work hard every day, you know. Uh, just get used to working hard, and, and that's what's uh, going to really help you, you know, become oh. a better player. What would your legs feel like after those early practices? You said my legs? <laughs> yeah, your legs. <laughs> I mean, honestly, sometimes I would literally just fall out at the practice, like lay on the ground like and on the court, you know, just in the ball and just sweat everywhere. I hope my whole shirt, my shirt, everything just wet. Uh, but I, but it, I knew that this is what it's going to take. You know, if I'm not sweating, if I'm not tired, if I'm not, you know, pushing myself in, I won't get better, and we won't get better as a team. So it will hurt in those moments, but, you know, once I left and went home and showered up and, you know, get ice on my knees or ankles or whatever, I knew it was working. So, I mean, if I if I wasn't tired, I, it was a problem. So, I mean, I, looking back, I'm glad I did go through that. I'm guessing you weren't the only one laying on the floor the way you guys defended. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, everybody was tired. But, uh, again, we wanted to push ourselves and uh, to get better because we knew we, we push ourselves in practice we get to the games, we're we going to be ready. So it, it was a good, it was a good, good thing. You, you hear it a lot with, with artists, whether it's music or maybe actors or anything like that, that they're, they're happiest when they're creating. And, and I always think of that 2 season as you guys kind of creating the start of this legacy for the program with, you know, no NCAA wins in the program in almost three decades. What was it like to be a part of, you know, a team that was around 500 and, helping the program make that leap to start those glory years? Uh, it was special. It was special. Uh, like you say, to kind of see it form right before your eyes. Like, I, I was there the 16 and 14 year, and then the next year, the Sweet 16. I mean, we shocked everybody. Uh, so I saw the work that was put in. We worked very hard, you know, in the summer, in the fall, and then the season started, and then after the season, the spring. I mean, it, it was a a process and um 
man, all the guys put in work. And like I said, the coaches, man, prepared us for every game. Every team we played, we knew everything they were going to do. Every play, every run, every TV timeout, and everything they, they, they prepared us for. So, uh, but it was great, man. We had a great time. And uh, I still remember Texas Tech and, and then being down against Georgia, coming back, beating them, and then UConn. So it was a great ride. And the, the city of Carbon that was behind us. And, it was just phenomenal, man. I'll, I'll never forget that that experience and uh, doing those, those early 2000s. It was great. I went back and watched that Georgia game in the second round a couple of weeks ago, uh, and you guys, you know, you're at the United Center. Of course, there are a ton of Saluki fans there, but Illinois is also playing in that in that same venue. So you've got a bunch of Illinois fans supporting you guys too. What do you remember about that atmosphere in the United Center that night? It was it was a great atmosphere. Uh, I felt like fans were rooting for us. Like I said, we were down pretty big in the first half, uh, and you know they kind of gave us that that extra push. Uh, I think people like to root for the underdog. You know, this Missouri Valley school playing these SEC Georgia, uh, but it was loud, man. It was thousands, and uh, you know we just tried to stick to the game plan, just keep chipping away. And of course, Weber just told us keep chipping away, keep chipping away. And just kept chipping and chipping, and we, you know, got the lead. And ended up winning that game. So, but it was just a great environment, great atmosphere, and uh, just a great run that we had. And like you said, just kind of got that's how you started. We turned every year after that. We, we like tournament, or, or we don't make it to the tournament. We felt like it was a bust season, so that really got us uh, got us going. When you guys were down, uh, I remember reading or hearing something about how uh, you know you were kind of inspired by the upperclassmen on that team on, you know, what was said at halftime and how you guys rallied and just the leadership on that team when you guys were trailing. Uh, what specifically do you remember uh, some of the things the upperclassmen were saying to, to get you guys rallied to come back in that game? Uh, Roland Roberts, man, he was like our voice. Uh, he, he was he was my guy, man. I, I didn't want to let him down. Uh, I knew it could be his last game. and He was always there for me, man. He, he helped me on the court, off the court. Uh, but you just, you know, just keep fighting, you know, don't quit, don't get down on yourselves, you know, just keep keep, keep going. We're going to keep going. We're going to win this game. And I just remember, like, man, I don't want to let, let Roland down. I don't want to let nobody down. So, you know, I want to try and do, do my part, you know, do my do what I can do to help us win. So, uh, but yeah, Roland, he, he was a big, a big, a big, big inspiration. Um, you know, his, his desire, his heart, man, and, and that UConn game, or every game, you know, he's going to block shots, he's going to score, he's going to dunk. So yeah, Lou Rowland was uh he was a big big inspiration. He was a you know, he was a transfer. Uh, you know, there were some people nervous about some of the 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 past uh with Roland Roberts. Did it take some time for him to earn a voice on the team and have that influence that you're talking about? No, it didn't to be honest. I mean, to me in basketball, if you're a good player, people are gonna listen to you. So from day one, Roland came in dunking on people, blocking shots. So he got our attention real quick, like, Oh, this dude can play <laughs> so and he, he, and he was a great person. Like he, he was a good teammate. He's a great teammate. You needed a ride somewhere. You needed twenty dollars or something. Like whatever. He, he was always there. So I mean, he he was great. Rolling with him was a great teammate, a great person. You mentioned how you surprised some people. I'm sure on the outside, you know, Texas Tech and Georgia, looking at uh, you guys and you know, who are they? Uh, and then you then you go and whoop them. Uh, but how how surprised were you guys? Internally, about what you were able to do in '02. I mean, to be honest, and I mean this with a humble, humble heart, man. We we weren't surprised at what, what we were doing. We believed that we could we could do this. We could go as far as we as we, could, as we wanted to go, really, because 
I mean, when we played Illinois and Vegas that year, I think they were like top five in the country at the time. And they beat us like at the end of the game, I think 75 to 72 or something like that. It was a close game. And so um, it's kind of like a moral victory for us. I remember, you know, after the game, we kind of looking like, man, it's the number three team in the country. Like, we should have beat them. Like, we didn't even play our best, and we were right there. So we kind of rallied after that. Like, man, we can really do something special. You know, I think we beat Iowa State that, that year, and we beat Indiana. We beat some, some big schools, but we, we believed. We truly believed that we could beat anybody um, in, any, in any moment. On the right day, we felt like we could beat anybody. So I'm like, we weren't surprised. We felt like we could, we could go as far as we wanted to. What do you miss most about playing in the arena? Uh, I miss, like, the crowd getting loud, um, you know, winning games. Uh, just seeing excitement, you know, it, it was a lot of excitement running out that tunnel. So just the camaraderie, I, my teammates, man, just everybody having fun, everybody celebrating each other for the success, you know, making shots, getting steel, blocking shots. You know, it was a lot of fun. So I just miss that environment. I'm sure you were, uh, you know, when you go to class, you guys were kind of student celebrities. How often do you have people come up to you and bother you in class about what you guys were doing? Uh, it definitely was um an experience. Uh, I mean, sometimes you walk to class, sign a couple autographs, or teachers, you know, recognize you, or class clapping for you. I mean, just unexpected things like that. Um, but um, you, like I said, you thank for I got a ticket. I got pulled over one time, and uh, they took my license. And I remember they they ripped the ticket up. They said, "Oh, you're not getting a ticket." They ripped it up and, and told me go head on. So uh, just little things like that. It's like, wow, this this is really. This is really something, but uh, it, 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 was, it was a good experience, and I'm glad that uh, the time everybody could enjoy it together. Like you said, it's been a while since the Salukis, I think, had success like that. So to see everybody so excited um, come together like that, it, it was a beautiful thing. Does that still work if, uh, if you pull that out, if you pull out your ID? <laughs> uh, no, you going to take this ticket and, and this one you're going to pay it? <laughs> no, it ain't working now, but yeah, it was – it was good. I went to go to the gas station, man. Some, I went to the gas station one time, and I go in to pay for the gas, and the guy's like, no, you're not. Go fill up your car. So, I mean, it kind of hit me. I'm like, man, this, this is this is, this is this is really happening. Like, wow. Like, it was, wow. wow. So, yeah, uh, it was kind of, it was pretty crazy, but it was, it was great. It was great. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I bet if you come back to the region, you're, you, you know, you're in the Nuff Hall of Fames now that you could, you could probably drop your own name and be all right. <laughs> uh, no, nah, I try not to do stuff like that, man. I just it's all good, but it, it was great, man. It, it was some great times, and uh, we still talk about them to this day sometimes. Yeah, 2005, you end up on the the cover of Sports Illustrated. Um, you know, D. Brown at Illinois is on the cover, and then uh, there you go, Darren Brooks from Southern Illinois is named as one of the guys that could potentially stop the Illini. Uh, what was your reaction when? that issue came out and you saw your your name and your face on there. It was just surreal, man. Uh, like I said, I just the kid from Jennings, St. Louis, um, small school. I didn't play AAU. I didn't have a lot of fanfare. I didn't, you know, some big age star and I wasn't highly recruited. So for me, it was just hard work and, and, and just just grinded, grinded. And see that happen, like, wow, this is, this is something really special. It's something that, 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 that I can always keep and show my kids. Hey, this is how you did this. And so it was special. Uh, it was special. But, again, it's, it's all motivation. You know, just motivation to, to keep working. I never wanted to, you know, get a big head or, or you know, think I'm better than anybody. I just want to keep working and 
just keep grinding and just trying to help my team win. And that was the main thing, just keep going. You don't get satisfied. You still have more work to do. You still have that sitting around somewhere, that issue? Yeah, my mom, mom, she keeps on it. I got it on my phone. Somebody sent it to me um, a few a few weeks ago, about, about a month ago. I got it on my phone, today, but my mom, she keeps all those things. She got a few of those magazines at home. So let's talk about some of the, the championships you guys won, you know, winning four straight conference titles in the regular season. Uh, which was the hardest in your mind to win? Which of those championships? Hard, I mean, honestly, everyone was hard. I mean, not, none was easy. Uh, I mean, we always had battles, crazy. Uh, Wichita State, um, uh, those two teams, I definitely remember the top two. I feel like we always were battling those two so every year. Every game, it could go either way. So, uh, man, we just, like I say, just grind it out. You know, we get up, we get down, we got to stay focused and stick to the game plan, listen to the coaches and keep encouraging each other, strengthening each other, uh, have each other's back. You know, just just trying to stay focused. But every none were easy. They all were hard and they all – be tired and exhausted at, at every game. So I'm um, just thankful that we were able to, to accomplish what we did. What was the most difficult part about going to the Sweet 16 the first year and then coming back and winning a conference championship the next year after people knew who you were? Every year it would get a little harder. Like our, like our, the hardest thing for, for me was like the conditioning, like outside of basketball. Like you wouldn't even pick up a ball, like you know, get your running shoes on in the weight room, meet us at the track. Like, that was the hardest thing. So every year our times, we had to do time running or a certain amount of sets. Everything would, would – the running would decrease. So now you're running instead of running a mile in 530, you're going to run it in 515 or something like that. So in the weight room, instead of doing four sets, you might do five sets. So that was the hardest thing every year. They would kind of turn it up a notch. Uh, so just trying to reach those goals – uh, but in the end, we knew it would help us in the end. So uh, that that was the hardest thing for me. We mentioned uh, the winning, of course. You know, the the season unfortunately did end in a loss when you guys played in the NCAA tournament. Which loss in your career hurt the most? Uh, was for me, I would just say the Alabama game. Uh, that that hurt. Uh, we, we fought. It was back and forth, and I still remember little Petway uh, hit that little floater and. <laughs> I joke with Brian Turner to this day. I do. Why'd you go running out? This dude, he was shooting eighteen percent from three, uh, and Brian go flying out at him. And he shot fake him and, and drove and hit a little floater with a few seconds left. Uh, so that hurt. I felt like we could have. I think Stanford was the next game. We could have beat Stanford, and I think Alabama beat Stanford, and they went on to the eight that year. And uh, I just felt like that was that was our year. You know, we really could have, uh, you know, put another stamp on on SIU and. And I really did something special, but you know, everything happened for a reason. We, we fought hard. We had a great season. I want to. I didn't want to take anything away from 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 the season or that game. You know, we fought hard, and they, they ended up winning. So yeah, that would have been 2004 in the opening round, losing by one to the Crimson Tide. Sounds like mm-hmm. there are still individual possessions you can look back in that game and say, mm-hmm. "What if?" When you lose yeah. by one point, is that the case? Exactly. Yeah, I, I, that's why you know I want to be hard on Brian. I just joke with him because everybody. <laughs> Did something throughout the game. You know, I had a turnover. I remember I turned the ball over. Guy got went down to lay up. You know, they made some mistakes. You know, we did a couple other things. You know, so I mean, that's part of the game. It's gonna be uh, ups and downs. Both sides gonna have their runs and stuff. So uh, that's just part of it. But it, it was that was the one that hurt hurt me the most. Did it bother you that you didn't end up getting drafted in the NBA after your senior year? Oh, uh, it did. It did. Uh, I was disappointed. Uh, 
you know, looking back, um, the NBA, you know, it's kind of, kind of like a, like, what do you, what do you specialize in? You know, like you're a point guard or you're a shooting guard, you're a shot blocker. So, I mean, I didn't really have a, a defined position, you know, at that time. Uh, and so it, it was tough. That was one thing that was tough. And, and I feel like my junior year, uh, was, was really good and my senior was good. Uh, so, I think I could have maybe done more. Some I could have done more. Uh, but, but again, uh, I feel like everything happens how it's supposed to happen. But now looking back to playing overseas and seeing the amount of work that, uh, that, that, that was put in, like overseas, we had two a days, three a days. So I could have done even more. You know, I could have done even more. Uh, you know, you've got to keep working. Every day you've got to keep working. So, uh, but I was disappointed. But, again, like I said, everything, I feel like everything happened how it's supposed to happen. I was, I was actually thankful for the opportunity that I, that was presented to me, so I, I didn't want to just focus on on that that, that didn't happen. I wanted to you know be thankful for everything that did happen. You know, going to school for free, being able to play in college, and you know, win these team award, individual awards, and I, so I wanted to look at the positives too, and not focus so, so much on, on that. But yeah, I was disappointed uh, to say the least. That's interesting because a lot of people look at you as maybe the best all around player in Saluki basketball history, you know, the, the steals, the rebounding, the scoring, the assists, you know, you're, you're top 15 in almost everything in school history. you think some of that balance may have actually hurt you in, in getting an NBA shot? Uh, I wouldn't say it really hurt me. Um, but I think if you look at like a Kyle Corbett, you know, he was a, he's a three-point shooter. You know, he's a three-point shooter. And, and some teams, like talk with my agent and, you know, playing overseas, they look for a certain – certain players you know we need a shooter so okay let's find a guy 40 percent from three we need a, a quick point guard that can penetrate and pitch okay let's find a, a quick point guard so some some teams are like that some coaches are like that some coaches they want all around players like overseas I, I had a coach that he really liked me he said you can do everything i, I want you here as long as you want to be here you know so it just kind of depends on the team lead and, and their coach at that time so uh but again i'm i'm grateful i'm i'm Everything I was able to accomplish, it surprised, you know, a lot of people. A lot of people didn't even think that that would happen. You know, didn't believe in any of that. So, like I said, I don't want to uh, take away from that. I'm, I'm very grateful, very thankful for uh, for all the opportunities I've been blessed with. Yeah, you're right. You did get to go to some cool places. I mean, the Netherlands, Poland, Australia, Germany, Cyprus, and those are those are some worldly travels. I'm sure a lot of people dream of. Uh, what was your favorite stop? My favorite stop was Australia. Um, it was a beautiful, beautiful country. Uh, the coach, they offered me, a, they said, you sign a one-year, two-year, three-year, four-year, five-year deal. This is like mid-season. And um, man, I, I think back, like, man, I should have signed like five years. And I loved it over there. It was a beautiful place. And, uh, but after that, I ended up going to Germany. I like Germany, too, with Australia. Man, the beaches was right five minutes from my house. Uh, they spoke English. Uh, it was just a great place. Did you pick up on any language while you're in any of those places? In Germany, I did. I, we had an alpha class for the players uh, once a week. I took the class, so I learned a little German. Uh, I went to Puerto Rico too for a few weeks, and I learned a little Spanish over there. So, uh, so yeah, I had a I had a great great run, man. I'm, I guess I'm very thankful uh, for for all the opportunities, blessings I had. I uh, just try to not pour back into the to the kids and uh, tell them they can you know pursue their dreams and work hard and for things to happen. So you could pass as trilingual then. <laughs> I didn't say that. I, mean, I know a couple <laughs> numbers. Uh, but, uh, that's about it. I'm ordering food. I can 
the number two or number three or trays or lines or something like that, but that's as far as I can go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, finally, DB, um, your identity as a basketball player was, was such a, I'm sure, a big part of your upbringing. Then in college, then you go and do it professionally. When do you know it's time to move on and do something else? When do you know? I think you know when that passion um, and that love is, is not there uh, like it once was. Maybe uh, I think then when it's not there, I think it's time to, to, for you to move on and do something. But um, for me, I always learn again my love where it, where it teaches you. Um, it's about you know accountability and working hard and not quitting. You know when things get difficult. Um, but I mean, I think it's a great game. It teaches you a lot of lessons, and it can, it can take you places that you never thought you could go if you really, you know, put your work in and um, and just you know give it your all. Did you struggle with that at the end of your career, knowing when the right time to step away was? For me, it was, it was kind of easy because I, I injured my knee when I was in Germany, and uh, it just it wasn't the same. I couldn't really, I couldn't play like I, I couldn't move and run and play like I like I knew I could. And, it still gave me. It still was painful, you know. And it's, it's no fun playing in pain. So uh, for me, I said, man, it's, I can't keep playing. I can't keep playing in pain. I can't run. I can't cut like I need to. I can't play at the highest level. Uh, and I know what's required, you know, to play at that level. So for me, it was it was, it was an easy decision. Uh, but I still love the game. I still, like I said, give back and teach. And, and seeing my kids now, some of them in college now, and watching them grow up, it's just. This is a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. Well, can we uh, can we expect you back in town at some point? Oh, definitely, definitely. Once all this stuff clears up, I'm uh, I'm gonna head back to St. Louis. And I want to come back to Carbondale. I'm gonna shoot down at Simo uh, too, Cape Girardeau. Uh, Brad Corn got the job, so uh, yeah, I definitely be back. Though uh, Carbondale like my second home. They, uh, they took good care of me and my family. I got a lot of love for Carbondale, so uh, I'll definitely be back, Sean.